Tuesday Night Talk is a part of Real Sound Reviews YouTube channel where I make tutorial, reviews and many incredible things to help you in sound creation. You can support by donation on patreon.com zdv and indeed subscribe to never miss a single episode. Tuesday Night Talk. Today I'm very, very glad to receive Yoni Wolf from Y with a question mark. Very important. Um, so I was preparing this interview and uh, I was feeling that there is so much to ask and I didn't know where to start. And uh, I thought that there are two key moments of uh, me and uh, my, my friends. Uh, um, knowing your music and your world, it's uh, with Mike Michael Motet that you made a remix for him very recently. Uh, I met him for the first time, it was in 2003, and I just bought Oaklan de la one week ago, and we were completely uh, stunned and amazed. And I remember also the first time I heard for Clouded, and it was like I was listening music coming from outer space. Incredible. It's like I've been waiting for this, you know, for this mix of hip hop and experimentation. And my first question would be, uh, could you tell us the story of these years of you guys of Clouded uh, meeting and, and starting this, uh, this project? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I met. Uh, so it was the Cloud Dead is three three guys. It was it was me and a guy named Adam Drucker Doswan and a guy named Ad Ad Nostam. And uh, I met Doswan my first year in college. Uh, I I had seen him in like a rap battle, and then I I. Uh, ran into him at the university and uh, we started hanging out and making music together. And Adnostam had gone to like schools with me all throughout. He went to my elementary school in junior high and high school. He was my brother's age, a little older, three years older. And uh, we sort of ran back into each other at uh, a record store and met there or maybe my brother ran into him or anyway you know we connected in in Cincinnati the town that I grew up in and started making music together and um how did you met with uh gel it was on the on the west coast uh no I I met gel gel's from Chicago originally so I met him through dose one um, in in Cincinnati originally, he would Jell would come down to Cincinnati and work on songs with Dose sometimes, and and uh, we met like that. And how how um, Anticon started with Soli and uh, you? Uh, how did you met him and uh, the team? Uh, th that was all sort of through. Uh, like tape trading, like trading like underground hip hop tapes and stuff like that around the the country and world to some extent, um, and everybody kind of met like that. 
very I have a, indeed some kind of cheesy question. That what is this? That's cheese. And this? What is this? Cheese also. And what is this one? That's cheese. This one over here. What is it? Cheese. Uh, what, what are the uh, artists who you consider who influenced you? Not necessarily only musician, but. Uh, uh, what you were listening to, indeed, but uh, um, maybe maybe some other stuffs. I guess early days, I had a bit of of a. I didn't like rock music uh, that was contemporary, so I, I really wasn't into like grunge or indie rock or these kinds of musics that were coming out in the '90s. That was like my high school years. But I was very into old, like, classic rock, we call it. You know, like, like I was super into Bob Dylan and, like, Paul Simon and Cat Stevens and, um, yeah, so it's like, uh, like older, older stuff from the 60s and 70s I was into. Um, and then I was very into... Uh, hip hop from the time that I that I was like in high school in those early days. So I was super into De La Soul. That was probably my favorite. And Tribe Called Quest. They were one of my favorites. Uh, the Roots, like the first few albums by The Roots. Uh, Diggable Planets. Um, the Far Side. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of different stuff like that, I guess, were the things that I was super into early on. And then this group called Grave Diggers, which was like a, a collaboration between Prince Paul and the RZA. Um, you know, the Wu-Tang albums, I guess, stuff like that. I recently um, um, uh, listened to, uh, how do you spell it? How Koayo? Your last one of the last Y oh, album. Oh, oh, oh. It, it's just it's there. It's like uh, letters. So A O K Ohio. A O K Ohio, and yeah. uh, I, I was uh, really. Uh, it seems that a lot of couple of reviewers or critics didn't understand clearly this album, in my opinion, because uh, there is a lot of very mindful audacity. Maybe one of the most experimental stuff you have made so far. And uh, but without empty recklessness or searching experimentation for the sake of experimentation, there is a good mix. And you you made a miracle for the first time in my life. You made me enjoy the sound of barking dogs <laughs> <laughs> on uh, on stained glass sleeper. This uh, this track yeah. is uh, is fantastic. And uh, as uh, you know, the, the channel is about sound production and sound engineering and. Uh, uh, as always on uh, the launch, you have a very beautiful uh, piano sound and uh, without maybe giving us all your witchcraft um, <laughs> sound engineering, what, how, it, it, first, uh, what is the, um, the, the kind of piano you are using, if maybe there is a special type, and is there a special way how you record it? I mean, since we're on video... I can show you. Oh, uh, great! Yeah, that's the that's the piano. Okay. And, and um, as far as special ways I record it, well, 
I, I had a, uh, a I had a cloth in there, um, laying over the strings mm-hmm. so to dampen it. And okay, I, I, I do that most of the time because I like darker, uh, rounder sounding piano. So I had that going on, and just recorded it nice and wide um, with two two small condenser mics as far apart as possible pointing straight down so that I got a nice wide field uh, mm-hmm. of, of sound and then um that's it I mean and then then you know some some I, I sent it through uh, a, a Neve uh simulator not not simulator but uh remake you know remake uh EQ okay uh preamp uh that i have which is by a company called vintech okay uh, it's like a yeah like a like a neve remake thing and then i don't know then i put a bunch of plugs on it you know uh it seems to me also that uh for the the vocals you have a very specific way of treating them uh on the sometimes uh on the side of a stereo uh yeah. from 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 a long time it, can you tell us more about this this is just the way you feel or you feel this is more uh efficient i, I... um we were talking about the, the vocals on the stereo and suddenly your microphone is shutting down uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except this uh, copy of uh, neve eq which uh as uh, matters to you, is there a, a piece of hardware or microphone uh, that um, uh, is um, very relevant in your sound chain, the kind of thing that you cannot live without, not this microphone, but maybe another stuff? This might, actually, this, this loss in L7, uh, L, uh, L47, I guess, because it's a, it's, it's a U47, you know, a Neumann U47. Okay. Copy. Okay. Um, you know, that uh, is my main vocal mic that I use. My condolences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's it's fine. I, it'll it'll get going again. It, it, there's a weird solder joint in there. It's been like that for a while, so it'll it glitches out. Um, but it hasn't done that in like two years. So this is the first time you're 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 fortunate to see that on a sound on an audio podcast. Um, but uh, other than that, mic... Uh, I use, uh, I don't know, sometimes I'll use just an SM7 for my vocal if I want it to be a little thicker, you know. Um, and in terms of the chain, I, I'm going into uh, a blue Robbie. That's, that's what, I, what I have been using, this, this, this guy, if you can see that. Um, I don't know how. It's just a just a pre, just a just a strictly a pre, okay. blue Robbie, and then I. Uh, other than that, it's just plugs, you know. Um, I don't really put my vocal through uh, outboard compression or anything like that before I go in. I just put it through that Robbie straight in, and then. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I I use a lot of plugs. About the sound. Uh I feel like 
today with modern DAW, we have so much possibilities that sometimes we don't know where to stop or uh, we we want maybe sometimes to reset things. Uh, don't you miss sometimes the four tracks uh, that you found in your dad's synagogue? Yeah, yeah, I do. I still have stuff like that too, if, if you can see up uh, above my head here. Anyway, they're, they're, they're up, 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 high, up high on the shelf there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I have a couple of uh, analog, just cassette eight tracks, and then I have a uh, Tascam 388 uh, quarter inch eight track right here. Um, so I, I still, here, I'll show you again, that thing there. Uh, yeah, so it's that, that's a quarter inch machine, eight track. So I still, I still use that kind of stuff. And, and this, the quarter inch machine is all over like AOK Ohio. Um, I use that a lot on there. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely like that stuff, I guess. I also like, you know, as much as sometimes I dread the, 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 like what you're saying, like the amount of, of possibility that is just endless, you know, with the digital stuff with, within reason of taste, you know, I feel like it's great because, you know, you really can, you know, you really can squeeze a lot of, 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 uh, goodness out of out of a recording um but you can also squeeze the life out of a recording too so i think it's, it's just all about the user you know and how how and your taste and how how you use it uh but i i like to use all kinds of mediums and jam them all together and collect them in the in the computer and um you know it's very useful for that pro tools especially is the program i use which, you know, I have my problems with, I guess, how the company runs things kind of sucks sometimes, but um, it's a great program, you know, and it, it just is really, I can get really detailed in there and, and, and all that. And so, yeah. And uh, how much uh, for your global sound production do you rely on, on mastering? You, you don't do it by yourself or you uh, work with... Uh... I, I usually do, no anything that comes out into the world that I'm like you know proud enough to put out into the world and have people hear I, I usually have a real mastering engineer uh, deal with just because I, you know I don't have like that takes a very specific kind of gear and it's very specific kind of training in my opinion to to really maximize it and get it as good as it can be you know I I, I maxim I I, I do like what I call like a mock master on things for reference and stuff like that. Or, or if I'm just doing demos or something, um, you know, and I, I have those like isotope plugins that are, are good for that. Uh, but yeah, if I'm doing a real thing, I, I like to collaborate with a mastering engineer who really knows their shit, you know? And for example, uh, um who uh, which studio are are you working with so on the last thing the last album that that i just worked on was a album by a band called la 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 which i produced and mixed and we used uh, a mastering engineer called heba kadri um who is in new york and is wonderful uh on 
so I used Heba Kadri on the last La 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 album on, I guess, the last few things that I've done um, for Why. You know, I, I've used a guy named uh, Pete Lyman, um, has been my, my main guy for that. Uh, previous to him, I was working with a guy named John Horesco, Johnny Horesco, um, who's fantastic. All these people are fantastic. You know, and just like it's interesting, you know, you say how much do you rely on on mastering? And like I really feel like ideally I rely on it a lot. I prefer I, I prefer old school style of mixing really quietly and di with dynamics and allowing like letting the mastering engineer deal with making it sound big and loud and, and all that. On their end, uh, I know to get it as loud as possible, you know, sometimes I, I will put stuff on the mix bus to squash it a bit on my end so that I'm not so precious about the dynamics um, because I've had trouble with mastering engineers and some of them have stopped working with me because I'm so particular about what I want. <laughs> so, I, you know, I... I uh, I'm 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 trying to 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 get into the 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 new world of mixing loud, you know, which is what people seem to do now. But um yeah, I guess traditionally I've tended to to rely on the mastering engineer more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, from from the beginning to now there is a special type of flavor and a new sound that you can recognize immediately that this is a uh, Yoni Wolf producing, in my opinion, and uh, but the the healthy thing apparently, according to many mastering sound engineer, is that the loudness war has uh, has ended because of a streaming platform. So uh, right. if you are not if you don't want to mix too loud now, the world is ready for you. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, there's still you know you still. I still like to have my stuff loud enough that that uh, I guess yeah for what application you know I still I still release vinyl and CDs I guess to some extent so I don't know I want it to feel like ballsy and uh, but yeah you're you're right you're right I mean the streaming platforms level everything pretty much and in, if you apparently if you go over a certain volume they'll attenuate you or whatever you know they'll take it down a little bit so so. I'm sure there, you know, if if you were to have a, you know, if you were to have a discussion with a bunch of mastering engineers, they would say, okay, well, here's the ideal level that you want it right now, so that you know it still has dynamics, and the streaming platforms bring it up a notch instead of coming down. But I don't know what that is. I leave that to the mastering engineers. About the uh, <clears throat> the lyrics, the content of your music, and uh, <clears throat> I have a, a more personal question, and uh, tell me if uh, if it's okay. Um, uh, you know, you you have, for example, artists like uh, John Zorn, uh, who in felt the need to um, made a specific collection on his label about uh, what he called radical Jewish culture, and uh, I was wondering uh, how far you consider that the uh, the Jewish culture you are coming from as having an influence on your music and uh, your lyrics and uh, even your podcast, maybe. Because I feel like you have a special sense of irony, of, uh, 
you know, um, I don't know how to define some absurdity. Uh, or, for example, in um, the video of uh, Beat to Thoughts, I, 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 you have this irony about, I think, psychotherapy when you are lying on the couch and uh, maybe, I, I don't know, well, this is what I understood and what I felt. And uh, so I, I was curious to know how far you, you consider that uh, this background uh, may have influenced uh, what you're doing right now. Interesting question. I, I, I like it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I am Jewish and I, and I come from uh, a, a kind of a different kind of Jewish culture within, you know, Messianic Judaism, which is sort of a marriage between Christianity and Judaism, like evangelical Christianity and Judaism. But, uh, you know, I'm very integrated into into sort of modern American culture, I guess. So I don't know. Yeah, but th there's something there. There's something there, definitely. But I can't put my finger on it exactly. You know, it's hard to tease out. Yeah, it's um, the the closest artist. I would, um, you know, you are, you seem to have also a very special relationship with uh, your brother. On your last album, there is this track, very weird. When you get into the cab, this uh, and uh, you you make me feel sometimes to uh, uh, coin brothers, but they are they are cinematographers. They, there is a a sense also of uh, of tragedy and uh, making. Uh, the most melancholic things, creative, something also about this, uh, to trying to to cheat uh, tragedy. Yeah, I don't know if I explained well. What I, what I... Yeah, you did. Well, I, yeah, I think it's about it's about uh, you know dark humor. I guess is 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 something that we do as humans uh, as a way to to accept difficult things you know we we because in this life you know there there are definitely going to be difficult things there's definitely there's definitely trauma and and tragedy as you say uh but you know we don't have to uh we don't have to just just live in the muck and the mire you know and 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 be straight dark all the time it's 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 nice to to have a sense of humor about things and you know as as bob dylan put it this is it's life and life only you know uh and i like to think like that i guess and and i i you know not to mislead you i, I definitely have my times where I, I have trouble getting out of bed you know what i mean and and it's just really difficult but uh i think that it's important to to see uh, the humor in, in everything and, and not just, I'm not a comedian, but, um, you know, to sort of see things from a different angle, you know, and yeah, to, to, to create from destruction in a way, you know. For, for example, also on your YouTube channel, there is a, a, an old video where you are speaking about fundraising for Japan and and oh, you know, now I feel I don't, I, I done my good action. There, there is, it's, it's really funny. You have some kind of stand-up, very spontaneous. It's. Uh... Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, I value that that humor, and and it, sometimes it just comes out, 
naturally or just, you know, and my type of humor is not like laugh out loud humor. It's more just kind of weird, you know? Get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, so, um, you, uh, usually you are on the other side of a desk or, you know, you, with your podcast, the wandering wolf and, uh, uh, there are now a lot, a bunch of episodes. And um, why did you feel the the need to uh, to start this this project? Because uh, it's somehow it's uh, it's quite experimental, also um, in, in the way you you edit this podcast. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I like doing this. I like talking to people, uh, you know, and, and learning about them. And, and um, you know, I always feel like when I when I interview someone, I take something away, you know, that I can sort of use in my own life. You know, I, I just hearing how other people live and what they do, you know, affects me. And, and I can sort of I get something out of that. And uh so maybe that's why I don't know. I I I just I work on sort of impulse a lot of times. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to do that. Let's let's try that one. Uh, so yeah, I just started doing it after after I started listening to podcasts. I was like, ah, oh, maybe I should try that, and uh, and I did, and I just kind of kept going. And I haven't done it since the pandemic started, but um, I. As soon as I'm able to travel and stuff, I, I want to get back to it. I just I like to do mine in person. I don't know. I this feels good to be honest. I could do it on on Zoom or something, but um, I don't know. The Wandering Wolf. You know, it's about me wandering around, meeting people in different places in in their environment. I like that. I like being in their environment if possible, and sort of seeing what they see. Yeah, so it's it's very intuitive. It's like some sort of uh, improvisation in catching something about about people with you with your Zoom and and uh, and precisely, you know, I I I was amazed of how various the top uh, about the topics you uh, you you speak about with uh, the people you you meet and um uh, there is about about religion about discrimination about a, bun a bunch of topics and um and precisely this is what i would like to do with you it's you know uh for the last years uh i feel it's really necessary that on both sides of the sea we exchange point of view because you know the first question in that field that i would like to ask you is Regarding what happened uh, inside the capital at the beginning of the year, uh, do you guys uh, feel safe? Um, <laughs> or it's, <laughs> it's it's terrible, but maybe we you know things that we don't see because we we see things through you know like this little hole inside the the door and we don't know essential things uh, about all of what happened. Well, to to address something you said earlier in this question, like I I feel like in terms of talking to people, if it's if it sticks like strictly to like music, 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 business, 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 I'm a little bit disappointed. You know, I, I like conversations that veer off and go into some the other aspects of someone's life because you know we all live these rich lives and do all kinds of stuff and have all kinds of interests and. You know why? Why stick strictly to business? So yeah, I I, I feel you there. 
in terms of the capital and sort of modern uh, radical politics stuff, ra- radical right, republicanism, these kinds of things, yes, it's scary. I, I you know, to be honest, yes, it's scary. Like I like anytime I see, which is messed up. It's kind of like. I don't know, like these certain, this is like totally my own thing and not like, I'm not, it's okay. like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is not an objective opinion or this is just my own feelings. Like when I see like a big pickup truck, uh, you know, with like an American flag on it and stuff like that, like I get, like I get a little bit scared. I'm like, is this person going to try to run me off the road? Like, what are we working with here? Like, I don't know, like, and of course, obviously that's completely, like, skewed, but that's just my own little fears that come out, um, and yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a weird world we live in now, and, and especially with the pandemic and the fact, and like, you know, anti-vaxxer, anti-masker types, and the fact that they can really just get you sick and kill you, you know what I mean, by, by being out there, and them being sick and not not knowing it or knowing it, who knows? And uh, so, yeah, it's 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 a weird, messed up world right now for sure. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, trying to stay positive, trying trying to to uh, also not judge people, you know, because I can't say okay, well, this whatever it is, 48 percent of this country voted for for Donald Trump, you know, like. My first instinct is like, oh, well, this whole country is racist and fucked up. And, you know, yes, there is an aspect of that that's true. But also people, you know, people are people and they get misled through media and and bad information. And which is, you know, oftentimes intentional, you know, from the top down, you know, to try to draw people into, you know, these certain political opinions or parties so that someone can have power and you know i i'm it happens to me too you know i get drawn in by by these these things on the left or you know and a lot of that is propaganda as well like so you know i i'm i try not to you know i don't watch cnn news which is like that's like our left-wing propaganda like liberal news and fox news is like the right-wing propaganda you know so to me, all that stuff is 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 kind of worthless entertainment. You know, it's really just like sports. It's like sports essentially, and and the the Republicans and the Democrats is like you know it's like the the Bengals and the Browns, or you know, so it's all kind of crap. But it's it's used to draw people in, and so that the people in power stay in power and stay rich. So, yeah, you you are absolutely right, and uh, m- my opinion is Trump is uh, the the result of uh, forty years of uh, society of spectacle, and people who criticize him in, in, inside the mainstream polit- politics don't don't seem to realize that they contributed to create this kind of monster, you know, and. Uh, you you can imagine uh, that in in the Baltics when he says in a speech we are producing more oil than USSR formerly, <laughs> people here are quite humble. They they receive this. They, who is this guy? What what is saying that? But the main thing is uh, first, indeed, not all Americans are in favor of Trump. We have 
to keep this in mind in, in Europe. But also, what I don't understand is what sometimes people are surprised. Because uh, I, I, there is an interview he gave in February after one month where he was in charge with a guy called David Muir, uh, a guy from ABC, when he already said, because he lost the, uh, the uh, popular vote, he said, uh, uh, yes, there, there was uh, fraud uh, and, and so on and so forth. And then four years later, some people are surprised when he's saying absolutely the same thing. With that being said, if you look at voter registration, you look at the dead people that are registered to vote, who vote, you look at people that are registered in two states, you look at all of these different things that are happening with registration, you take a look at those registration, for, you're going to find, and we're going to do an investigation on it. But three to five million illegal votes? Well, we're going to find out, but it could very well be that much. You have people that are registered who are dead, who are illegals, who are in two states. You have people registered in two states. They're registered in a New York and a New Jersey. They vote twice. There are millions of votes, in my opinion. Now, so it was quite predictable. I only heard um, Bernie Sanders saying, listen to what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. You have everything is clear, in fact. The polls show, and what studies have shown, is that for whatever reason, Democrats are more likely to use mail-in ballots. Republicans are more likely to walk into polling booths on election day. It is likely that the first votes that will be counted will be those people who came in on election day, which will be Republican. And here is the fear, and I hope everybody hears that. It could well be, and, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, nobody does, but it could well be that at 10 o'clock on election night, Trump is winning in Michigan, he's winning in Pennsylvania, he's winning in Wisconsin, and he gets on the television, he says, thank you Americans for re-electing me, it's all over, have a good day. But then the next day, and the day following, all of those mail-in ballots start getting counted, and it turns out that Biden has won those states. At which point Trump says, see, I told you the whole thing was fraudulent, I told you those mail-in ballots we're crooked, and I got, you know, we're not going to leave office. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely. It's, it's this, kind of, uh, this kind of thing. And for people in the Baltics, uh, him getting along with Putin, you imagine the fear. NATO is uh, really a matter of survival here. It's, uh, yeah, I bet. Has has Putin made overtures towards Latvia and Lithuania and these sort that you know the Baltic region? Has he has he sort of indicated that he might try to? Take um, it back? Since since the uh, the events that happened into the Ukraine, so the, the takeover of Crimea, the war in Donbas, where nobody is good on any side, uh, everybody uh, has uh, taken this very seriously. And you know, for Lithuanians, there is this small uh, part of land that is Kaliningrad, between Poland and Lithuania, that is uh, one on the, of the only access Russia has to the sea in the Baltics, because the Baltic Sea uh, freezes um, 
very quickly because there is not very much of salt. So this is a very crucial point for them. So no, directly there is no uh, direct threat except from Belarusia. Now there are migrants, refugees coming, a vicious politics, and there was this guy, this uh, who, uh, this blogger who uh, went from Greece to uh, a Belarusian guy who took the plane in Greece and went to Vilnius in Lithuania. The um, uh, Belarusian Air Force put two planes, they took the plane and the guy was kidnapped in Minsk. So mm. this is no joke, really no joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he had the, the asylum in Lithuania. So, uh, yeah, there is, um, this is the border of Europe, not only of the country here. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's concerned. Yeah. So maybe you heard a couple of stories from your, your grandfathers from Lithuania, which you said it was from, from Lithuania. And Latvia. I'm, I'm not sure where he was born and where he lived at times, but yeah, he, he lived between the two. And uh, came over when he was quite young. He was like seven or eight years old, maybe or maybe ten. I don't know. But uh, I didn't know him super well. Uh, you know, he died when I was fairly young. Um, but I, you know, I, I know. That, so I don't really know stories, but I know that it was very bad for them there, um, and you know, because of the Russians, you know. The, uh, during the uh, the 60s and the 70s, uh, a lot of uh, Jewish people in the Baltics and in Russia used their uh, uh, Jewish um, origins to go to Israel. To, it was one of the only way for them to get out of the of USSR. Yeah. Yes, and for example, you have uh, Gidon Kremer, who is a famous uh, violin player, amazing violin player. We did a lot of things for music in the Baltics, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I have a, a last uh, question that I call the, uh, the magic question. What is your um, earliest memory when you were a child or a teenager uh, linked to, uh, to music um, in your recollections? A lot, a lot of memories just flooded in about different... I'll tell two, two things. Uh, you know... One, I, I have a memory of listening to one Bob Dylan tape when I was about 12 years old and learning to juggle. So I, I was like homesick from school and I was teaching myself to juggle and just listening on loop to a Bob Dylan tape. I think it was another side of Bob Dylan um, over and over and uh really being like impressed by the poetics you know like oh my god this is like poetry and you know and, and perhaps that's what you're picking up on in a way from me in terms of the jewish humor thing and i you know a lot of that bob dylan stuff has that and you you kind of maybe i picked up some of that um and then another one is uh the first time i heard the Tribe Called Quest album called Midnight Marauders. Um, I, I was listening in these really nice headphones. Um, and I, and I, I wasn't really into like hip hop music at that time. 
And that was the first album that really clicked with me, like, oh, shit, like, you know, like, hip-hop music can be really, like, lush. And, and you know, before prior to that, in the early 90s and 80s, the stuff that are very, that was 93, so very early 90s and 80s, the stuff that I was hearing in school and stuff was very, very stark and rhythmic, but without much melody in it. You know, it was like just drum machine drums and a guy, a guy rapping like this, you know, that kind of thing. Old school rap, you know, and um, I didn't really respond to that stuff. I was not really into it. It, it didn't really grab me. But the, the first time I heard that Midnight Marauders album um, by A Tribe Called Quest, it just it just took me there. And I, and I couldn't get enough. And then from then on, I was like, oh, I, I need to hear more stuff like that. Okay. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Please, um, if you, um, please smash the like button, subscribe. Uh, hit the notification bell and uh, uh, post this video on social media. It makes a lot of difference for us. Uh, huge thanks for watching and I will see you on this channel very soon.